Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Vince. And I'm Ashley. And we are the lead pastors of the Outlet Community Church. And wherever you are in the world, our heart is to add value to your life. That's right. Whether it's an encouraging word, whether it's a topic in the Bible, whether it's a life skill that you're looking to develop and hone in on, allow us to be an outlet for you. Yes, and our prayer is that wherever you are, whether you're right here in service or you're out in the world in the nation, listen, our prayer is that God meets you right where you are. We all have needs, we all have things, but our God is able and he's able to bless you and get you where you need to be. We have hundreds of hours of digital content that is available for you to consume yes. free of charge. Freely we receive, freely we want to give <laughs> it back to you. So make it a point to check out our page, check out our website at the yeah. Outlet Community. Dot com and you'll be able to find countless hours of videos, podcasts, and other material to help you grow in your walk with God. Hey, if you like some of the content, like, subscribe, share it, and we'd love that. <laughs> See your family and friends. So open up your heart and get ready to receive all that God has for you. Holy Spirit. We're going to be embarking upon part two, and I'll do a brief recap of the first part of Spiritology on today, as well as build upon new information. I can tell you that this series is outside of Sunday morning. is challenging me to really listen to Holy Spirit, uh, to follow his leading, to follow his guidance, and to learn his character in greater and deeper ways than I have ever known. Um, one caveat that I will share now, and we'll, we may get to it today, is the more that you spend time with Holy Spirit, the more the love of God is activated and it flows through you. So when you begin to see situations or you see the world around you or individuals who are experiencing tough times, there's compassion that is stirred within you. And at a moment's notice, your heart is to make sure that you're ministering directly to them. I can't tell you how many uh, people just this week that I've run in, into just randomly. And, and I'm realizing now a lot of our what we call random moments are actually divine setups. That God is really looking for people that he can tap on the shoulder to say, hey, do you mind being my hands and feet today? Do you mind sharing my love today? Do you mind loving on someone today? And often in our mind, we have our set plan, we have our routine, we have our schedule, and we think that if I pause right now, if I take this moment right now, then I'm going to get thrown off my day. But what if we gave our day to the Lord? and allowed him to lead and guide us. And you'll, you'll find that your day, not only it fits within the, the, the way that you thought it would wind up, but you'll leave the day more fulfilled knowing that, Lord, even outside of Sunday morning, outside of the church setting, I was surrendered to you. And that is really the ultimate goal. So John chapter 14, verses 12 through 17, uh, in the final hours of Jesus' earthly life and earthly mission, we're picking up in John 14, and 
these verses that we're going to be reading from John 14 contain some of Jesus' most profound teaching. And it's his teaching on the Holy Spirit. So he's setting us up, and I don't know if we'll get to verse 16 and, and be able to flesh that out yet, but there are some precursors, some things that we ought to know in, in order to be able to fully embrace what God wants to do with the person of Holy Spirit in our lives. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who is manifest, means that he is here in tangible demonstrations and tangible ways to express the heart of God in our everyday world, in our everyday life. I just really want to encourage you that you are not normal. I know somebody has probably already told you that before, but you really, you are not normal. You are not ordinary. You are not just another person. The moment you accept Christ on the inside of you, you have his Holy Spirit living on the inside of you that, that you can't help but to do supernatural things. You can't help but to act in supernatural ways. It is a, now a new way of living that God is trying to introduce us to, but we have to be aware that God wants to utilize us in these various ways. So in John chapter 14 and verse 12, We'll read all the way to verse 17 as our uh, text for this series. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name. Someone say and type in anything in his name. Anything in his name. Someone say anything in his name. I mean anything. What's anything? Everything. That's right. <laughs> and he says, I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything. Someone say and type in anything. Yeah, I want that to get down in your heart. He says, in my name and I will do it. Verse 15, if you love me now, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or the paraclete who will never leave you. Someone say, never leave me. Come on, somebody say, never leave me. Never. never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and does not recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Today, we are going to pick up with spiritology in part two and talk about kingdom collaboration. Kingdom collaboration. Holy Spirit desires to work with you in every facet of your life. I know sometimes we have our list of things that will allow God to have his way in, and the other list are things that we're going to do our own thing in. But God desires to operate in and through you in every facet of your life. It is divine assistance. It is divine support. And in this kingdom collaboration between God and man, this was God's plan from the very beginning of time. From the time of creation, as we see in the account in the book of Genesis, God desired to operate, to work, to flow through his human creation. But sin came in and it separated man from having an unconditional 
all-access relationship with God. But even in the garden, God already told us that he was sending the solution, and that solution, his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to this earth. He fulfilled all of the requirements of the law. He fulfilled every single debt that we all as a humankind created for him to fulfill and paid for with his death, his burial. But praise be to God also his resurrection. And we pick up in John 14 now where Jesus is saying, I must ascend to the Father, but I am now going to give you someone who is just like me to be in you everywhere that you go. And this person that is going to be in you is going to restore God's original plan for man in the earth. So that means that when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have a paraclete, you have a comforter, you have a helper, you have an advocate, you have a standby, you have a teacher, you have someone who is going to help you when in life you cannot help yourself. God said that I will not in any way ever leave you alone and by yourself. Well, somebody says, well, sometimes I feel like I'm alone. It sometimes feels like that nobody cares and no one's around me. Well, that's the enemy lying to you because he doesn't want you to see what God has already put on the inside of you. So we have to learn how to cooperate with Holy Spirit in every facet of our life. And last week, I want to give you our overview again. So there are four areas that we're going to look at over the next now eight weeks. Today, we're starting with the kingdom collaboration between God and man. Once we're done with kingdom collaboration, we will look at who is the Holy Spirit and how will we work together. Number three, we will look at the Holy Spirit within. And the Holy Spirit within is going to help transform your character. Someone who has a thriving relationship with God you should not be the same person that you were six years ago, six months ago, six weeks ago, six days ago, six minutes ago, because we're constantly being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I have discovered that the best way to deal with a lot of the division and the schisms and the rubbing people the wrong way is get people so focused on who God is, it will transform your character and how you treat people. Because, (laughs) come on, if you're really open to the Holy Spirit, and you all can talk back to me today, uh, and, and let's just say someone rubs you the wrong way, And you don't have a moment where you pause for the cause. You don't have a moment to to just sit still and something that you don't know where it came from, but it came from somewhere and it came out. And, And after you let it go on the inside, you knew I probably shouldn't have said that. And so the more we spend time with Holy Spirit, the more we will lean into that. It's like a check. It's like, ah, don't don't move forward with that. Don't say that. Say this better. And we'll do a whole lot more uh, cognitive communication rather than playing cleanup because we have put our foot in our mouth. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about Holy Spirit within for character, but then we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit upon for service. And so these things are happening simultaneously where under the new covenant, God has filled us with his spirit 
But not only has he filled us with his spirit, but his spirit also rests on us so that we can do the things that God has called us to do with supernatural ability that helps us when we feel like we don't have anything left to give. There have been times and moments in my life where I don't know how I am at peace when everything around me says that I should have lost my mind. I don't know how I can have joy in the midst of some of the most devastating information that you could probably get at one time. Well, I know how. It's the Holy Spirit of God who lives in me that says I'm not moved by what's going on around me because I'm anchored in his ever-present help that's within me. Can you imagine how different your days will be, your interactions will be, the times that you get disappointing news, how your responses will be, knowing that this setback that I have is not final. It's only a fleeting moment that is subject to change. Can you imagine what type of example that you will be toward other people who are experiencing the exact same thing you're experiencing, but your response is completely different? That's the working and role of the Holy Spirit. So the question that we have to ask, is the Holy Spirit still at work today Or is this Bible just some ancient book that we just happen to still be reading? Well, I want to answer that question. Yes, the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit is still at work today. How is he at work today? Through the lives that are submitted to the plan and purpose of God. And I want to say this to somebody because I really sense this in my heart. Somebody saying, but yeah, you don't know the life I'm living right now. You see, I love the character of God. Because he uses people who are the least likely who would have thought they would have ever been used. And when God uses you and shows his goodness through you when you think you don't deserve it, not only do do others get blessed, but then it helps to correct some behaviors that you were letting to go astray. I've shared it with you all before. There my, my senior year of high school going into college, I, I, wanted, I had a little freedom, and so I wanted to use my freedom for what I wanted to do. I, I grew up in one of them strict households. Yeah, my, my house was strict. Yeah, they wouldn't let us do nothing. So I had, I, I, you know, and, and so the little freedom I had, I tried to use, and, 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 and out of rebellion, I didn't want to talk to God. I didn't want to have nothing to do with him. But every day I would wake up, I would have to go and do a workout session with a football team. And all we did was read a devotional on a sheet of paper. And it just read the scriptures to these, uh, these football teams for six weeks, Monday through Friday. Well, at the end of six weeks, Monday through Friday, again, I'm not doing anything extra. I'm just reading the Bible to these boys and then saying, all right, boys, let's go work out. At the end of the six weeks, there was a prompt at the end to ask those who would like to give their life to Jesus Christ to raise their hand. And so, again... I'm living how I want to live, not talking to God, not thinking about God. I'm just doing what I need to do so we can get through the devotional. We can keep on moving. When I ask them if they want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, every single one of the football team gentlemen raised their hand to give their life to God. Their life may have been changed in that moment because they went from death to life. But my life was changed knowing that God wasn't waiting on me to be perfect to show how good he was through me. And God showing how good he is through me, wanting me to do, help me to want to do better with my own life. Part of the reason why I'm standing up here today is from those six weeks when I wasn't thinking about God, but yet he was still good to me. So God gives us his Holy Spirit to show how good he wants to be to you when you're not good to him. And when you realize that he's good to you, when you're not good to him, 
Imagine now what that causes you to do when you're talking and dealing with other people. How dare you hold unforgiveness against someone who might have messed up to you when all you've done in your life is messed up to God and he's not holding it up to you. In fact, anything that anybody has ever done to you will not compare to what you've already done to God. And he said, I not only forgive you, but I want to bless you. I want to, I want to be with you. I want to hang with you. I don't want to go anywhere. I'm not trying to leave you. I want to stand by your side. I want to be with you when everybody else leaves. Even when you left me, I didn't leave you. Even when you turned your back on me, I never turned my back on you. So that then transforms how we interact with people because we say, listen, if God can put up with X, Y, and Z for me, Come on, if you, I'm about to walk, because I see some of y'all going to sleep. Y'all stayed up with me to two o'clock in the morning watching Dion. <laughs> listen, listen, you, you, know, you know what God has had to put up with you about. And guess what? He's been patient. And you, you don't have, you, you have no excuse to have a bad attitude if you're a Christian. You have no excuse to mistreat people if you are a Christian. You, you, there's no excuse. You have no excuse. Now, now, you might have a reason. Someone may have done something to you. Someone may have hurt you. You might be offended. But it doesn't give you an excuse to take that out on somebody else. So what Holy Spirit does, he lives within, and he begins doing surgery in your heart. He begins healing areas that you've told him were off limits. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to deal with that. I'm not, mm -mm, we're, not we're not having that conversation. Nope, mm -mm, nope. Oh, he's going to deal with you about that. And he is going to ask you, are you willing to let my love cover that pain? See, when you start letting go of these long-term offenses, what you're saying is, I no longer am trying to be in control of my life. I'm going to surrender these things that I'm trying to hold on to to God and allow him to be in control of my life and my responses. That's the purpose of the Holy Ghost. Not so you can just speak in tongues and act like you're the most, you know, spiritual one around and you know everybody. You got the gift of prophecy, but you're mean. Come on. When you grow in the things of God, you grow in love. John 14. John 14, verse 12. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So the American understanding of this text has us focused on the wrong things in the text. The American or the Western understanding of this text has us focused on greater works. We bypass same works because I don't want to do same. I want to do greater. I want to be greater. So the way I was taught this scripture, again, I told you, the way I've been studying this is I went back to these texts as if I've never learned them before and I need the Bible to interpret the Bible. The way I was taught this scripture was, when you have the Holy Spirit, what we're going to be able to do is do more than Jesus did because we're going to do greater works. Well, I wanted to see if that was true. 
So I looked up the word same works. The word same works is the Greek word ergon, E-R-G-O-N, ergon. And these are works that proceed from an individual. So what are works that proceeded from Jesus? He did miraculous things, miracles, signs, and wonders. Everywhere he went, miracles, signs, and wonders. He also was extremely ethical. And he was also extremely obedient to the plan and purpose of God on his life. Those are the same works that we are to do. So when you have faith in the word of God, you should expect miracles. What's a miracle? You've seen what you prayed for. That's a miracle. Come on now. Let me, let me, let me break down another miracle. <laughs> for those who have a short temper, when your temper gets a little bit longer, that's a miracle. Come on. You know, some of y'all who's, who's, who's got some miles on you, when you know what you would have said and you said something different, that is a miracle. Being extremely surrendered to the plan and purpose of God, meaning whatever God has said about your life. Because everything that God says about your life, you're not going to want to do. Now, I'm sorry, there are, there are things that God has called me to that initially I said, not me. But when you're surrendered, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. And the third thing, he lived an extremely ethical life. There was no sin. Jesus did not sin one time in his entire earthly existence. So when, when he says that the same works that I'm doing, how many of you all would agree them same works are quite nice. Amen. But now he goes on to say, but not only will you, because the scripture does say, not only will you do same works, but you will also do greater works. So what is the word greater works? So you have to look up each word in the Bible. The New Testament was written in Aramaic and Greek. So I go all the way back to how it was written, because sometimes my translations get it right. Sometimes they don't. I actually go back to the actual text that was written and see, what did it say? So greater works. Again, same works is the Greek word what? Ergon. Everybody say ergon. All right. Greater works is the Greek phrase megas, which means many, haltos, things. It's not ergon. I thought it was going to be megas ergon. Yes. No. Megas hatos means that the works that Jesus did of being a person who had signs and wonders following him obeying the word, him living and surrendering to the plan and purpose of God, and him living an extremely ethical life, what he's saying is by you receiving Holy Spirit, you are going to do the same thing but many different things ways. It didn't mean more miracles. It meant many other ways to do the same miraculous works. So there was no technology during the time of Jesus. So when Jesus spoke, the only people that could hear it were those that were able to hear in the general vicinity. Well, since technology has advanced and has been innovated, I not only am talking to this room, but also the 37 states and the eight countries that we're 
uh, streaming to right now at one time. Many different things, but I'm still doing the same works Jesus did. So that means that Holy Spirit is inside of you. Holy Spirit is inside of you to help you innovate in ways and things that you've already done before. He's an innovative person on the inside of you that causes you to expand what is before you and to do things greater than ever before. I believe it was, um, who did the peanut? Uh, Carver? George Washington Carver. He had a peanut. (laughs) One peanut. But many megas haltos, many different ways. So the same job that you've been going and doing, the same type of ministry efforts that you've been doing, you can expect God to give you innovative ways in your everyday life. And that's what causes you to excel in everything that you do. Now let's keep reading. John 14, 13. He says, you can ask for anything in my name. Ooh, tall task right there. Anything in my name, and I will do it. What we have to understand is that God's desire has always been to work with us all. That's his desire. And he said that if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. So the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let me, let me break down anything in my name. Because some people think that they could just ask for anything. But that's not what the Scripture said. The Scripture said, ask for anything in my very important because there are some people who have asked for spouses that were married to somebody else. And the word said, if I ask for anything, he will do it. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said, if you ask for anything in my name. That that phrase, in my name, means in my character and with my authority. In my character, with my authority. People got so dejected at the faith movement because they said that they told me in service that if I asked for anything in my name, then I should get it. But I went to the Bentley dealership and I pointed to that Bentley and I said, in the name of Jesus, I called that Bentley in, in Jesus' name. It comes to me now. See, this is something that you learn the longer you live. All those big requests, we think about the request, we don't ever think about the responsibility along with the request. You understand that when you get over a certain type of luxury vehicle, 
You just can't take it to Bob's auto-tuning and find its best. They force you to go back to the dealership and follow their scheduled maintenance. So you might have been blessed like, oh, Lord, thank you. Right now, I done gave $12 in the offering, and I know you said that you're going to give me a hundredfold, and so that's a hundred on top of a hundred on top of a hundred on top of a hundred, and you're going to get me a brand new Bentley Jesus because I know what your word says. Let's just say God worked like a slot machine and you were able to get that, right? So you get the new Bentley. My question is, who going to pay for the maintenance on the Bentley? Who going to pay for the tire on the Bentley? Who going to pay for the oil change on the Bentley? Who going to pay for the spark plug on the Bentley? And if you live in Atlanta, who going to pay for the car insurance on the Bentley? (laughs) So when we ask with these requests, In my name means you request understanding the responsibility when it comes back. So the will of God for you might be to keep driving your vehicle, and that's faith. The will of God for you might be to get rides and to use ride-sharing services in this season. That's faith. But too many times... People have requests outside of God's character and then blame God for not blessing things he gave you no jurisdiction over. So if you ask for anything in my name, with my character, under my authority, well, well, how am I supposed to know his character and his authority? Right here in the context of Scripture. (laughs) I'm going to say something real, real tough. So if it's the will of God for you to have a big house, you're going to have a big house. If it's not the will of God for you not to have a big house, you will not have a big house. But material possessions don't dictate whether God is good or not. He is not the God of material possessions. He is the God of all grace that abounds towards you so that you can do your assignment. So some of our assignments require that we have certain resources and certain things for them. But God is not a God of waste and he is not going to give you things that you aren't going to use to further his kingdom. So if you could tap into the vision of God for your life, he will make all grace abound toward you to do what you are aware that he's calling you to do. But as long as you have this small myopic lens of what God has called you to do for just you and your life, you will only have enough for you and not for others. But when you tap into God's plan for your life and you see that your gifting, your calling, your wiring is bigger than you, then you experience Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think because now you're using the grace to do your assignment. God has no shortage of blessing. We just have shortage in asking according to his word. So long we're trying to get God to bless our plan. He's not obligated to bless your plan. 
His plan is already blessed. It's up to you to get in alignment with what he's already done. And that means surrendering your own way. You have to just say, I, 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 I don't know. I, God, but you do. And that's where working with Holy Spirit comes in. This is why we're teaching on spirit topics. We're only in week two. And I'm only on verse 14. I ain't got the verse 18 yet. Let me give you a couple more scriptures so that you all think I read the Bible. And then we'll, we'll go home. Um, actually, no, I'm not. I'm actually going to pause right here because I want to flesh this out and then I'm just going to come back. I figured out something. I happen to be the pastor of the church and I get to come back next Sunday <laughs> and pick, pick right back up. But make sure you all get comprehension of the Bible. It is no point of me going to 18 scriptures and y'all have already tuned out. Get comprehension of a couple and chew on these things all week, and then we can build. I was talking with our School of the Bible group on Wednesdays. I said, often people read the Bible just for completion scores. They're like, oh, I read the word. But what did the word say to you? And did you stick with the word long enough, not for you to read the word, but allow the word to read you? We have to chew on the scripture every Word. If you don't under, this, is, this is what determines your pace in Bible reading. If you do not understand all the words in the Scripture and why they're there, you're not done with that Scripture. It's like some good old-fashioned fatty steak for those of you all who practice. <laughs> those of you all who eat steak. Just that, that fatty, just that tough part. You just got to just sit there and just chew on it and just chew on it. And just chew on it. And when you begin to do that and spend time with the word, you begin to get the context of what God is saying and what he desires to do. When you begin to develop a context of scripture, you begin to know how to appropriate your faith correctly. Which means that you will not go to the Lord to request something until you have confirmation that what you're requesting is in line with his word. So a lot of times I haven't prayed about something yet because I don't know God's heart on the matter before I pray it. So sometimes we got to sit and just get scriptures that are in line, in context with what it is that we're believing, and see, Lord, what is your revelation concerning it? And then what he does is he gives you the wisdom on how to pray for what you need so that when you pray, you don't do so amiss and you pray with accuracy and get the very thing that you prayed for. But often we're just randomly throwing out prayers, not even knowing if it's the will of God for your life. Find out first, is this the will of God? And then go after it. But do not waste time going after things that you're not sure if that's God's will for your life. When you don't know, pause, freeze. Don't make major commitments. Don't do anything that commits you long term until you know. Often we go with the flow and end up not liking where we're going because we have no rhyme or reason as we're moving. But what you have to do is if you're not sure about something, go back to the last thing God said and sit right there. Go right there until you get instruction to move further. 
what I have discovered is that sometimes I'm wanting to go faster than what God wants me to go. Do more than what God wants me to do because watch this. He's already working things out behind the scenes that I am not aware of. And had I moved prematurely, I would have spent far more than I should have spent. If I would have moved prematurely, I would have made decisions that I would regret later. Whereas if I just pause for the cause, give me instructions. What happens is I stand still, Psalm, and I begin to see the salvation of the Lord. He begins putting things together and lining things up. All I'm doing is just leading what he's telling me. But listen, some of us, we're like, Lord, you're taking a little too long, so I need to help you out just a tad. I know you're busy with all of my other brothers and sisters across the globe, so let me, let me do my part and help you out. And when you come back, I, I would have had it set up for you. No, 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 no. Sometimes he tells you, just, just, just pause. Sit, sit right here. Just sit right here. But Lord, I need to have a decision. That's the decision, to sit right here. Pause. Now, let me give context because somebody's going to say, I'm not sure if my job is the will of the Lord for me, so I'm just going to sit right here. No, you're going to sit there and be unemployed. Listen, if you have commitments, finish out your commitments. Hallelujah. I'm going to close with this, and then we're going to go home. We're going to come back next week for uh, part three. Um, if you have committed to something, the biblical thing to do is to finish out your commitment. You don't get to say, well, the Lord, you know, he's leading me elsewhere. No. Because what you need to learn is before you commit, you need to know. And so sometimes a good parent's going to leave you in your decision until that time frame is over so you can learn the next time the situation presents itself, there's better questions I need to ask before I just go ahead and give it my yes. So we have to commit all the way to the end. Whatever commitment that you've given, finish your commitment. In the midst of you completing your commitment, you are going to learn the lesson God wants you to learn in this season. And what I've discovered, there, there have been things that I have committed to that I'm like, oh, why did I do that? But in the midst of me doing what I said, I then get to examine within me to find out, why did I say yes prematurely? Why did I make that decision prematurely? Why did I make that hire prematurely? What was going on within me? And then you learn and do better from that. Amen. Let's stand to our feet today. Glory to God.